This is a production by One and All Media. For more, head to oneandall.media. This is an amazing passage because it's an addendum to the book of John. It really has no other purpose in the Gospels other than to answer one question. Neither Matthew, Mark, or Luke do it, but John does. To answer one question, whatever happened to Peter? What happened to Peter? Today. 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 Today with Jeff Fines, pastor, apologist, and Bible teacher. Welcome back to Today with Jeff Fines. My name's Aaron, and so far in our series titled The Year of Re, we've explored topics such as reawakening, revival, restoration, and renewal. Today, we hear the rest of Pastor Jeff's powerful message on recommitment. He's looking at John chapter 21, a passage where Peter goes back to his old career of fishing, and Jesus goes to Peter and asks the very powerful question, do you love me? Let's join Pastor Jeff as he digs into Jesus' message here about our commitment to Him. For all of my life, I grew up in this legalistic type church. And I would go back and forth, God, what do you want from me? I can't measure up. I can't do this, but I want to do this. I have these feelings. I have these emotions, but I fail. I blow it. I mean, the older you get, the more you realize how bad you really are, don't you? It's true. But the older you get, the more you also fall in love with Jesus. Because the worse you are, the more you realize how much grace you get every day. Jesus goes up to Peter. He says, Peter, do you love me? Look at, look at the text. Do you love me more than these? Well, who are the these? Do you love me more? Do you think Jesus is saying, do you love me more than these other disciples? You said you would never, even though they would leave me, you never would. And you left. You bolted when it got tough. He could have done anything he wanted with Peter. He could have said anything he wanted, but he asked Peter this first and simple question, do you love me? Because Jesus knows that when you fall in love with something and you really love it, When he gets your heart, all these other things fall into place. Until you understand that you really have no right standing before God other than what he gives to you. Until you understand that if there's no cross and there's no Christ, you and I will be separated from God for all of eternity. Until you really understand that. Until you understand how you've been rescued and saved by grace, you will not fall in love with Jesus. And and as long as you have a high value of yourself and your own goodness, you're not going to fall in love with Jesus. Think about it. If you're really truly, if you are really truly living on this earth and you're a sinner separated from God, and when you die, you're going to go into a place that is eternal separation from him, that is so bad that no one or words can really describe it, because where there is no God, there is no good. If you don't truly understand that, then how much gratitude is there going to be the fact that God looked down and says, no, this is not good enough. I'm going to redeem you. I'm going to save you. You're going to live with me for eternity in a place that is too wonderful for anybody to describe. No eye has seen, no ear has heard. See, the problem is, that's why religious people are the most in danger. You don't fall in love with Jesus because you're good. You don't really need him that much. Until you fall in love with him, until you understand the gospel. See, I can't.
can't make you love him. It's impossible. You need the Holy Spirit of God to open your eyes to what he's done for you. And not just to hear it in uh, theological terms, but to have that love understood to come deep into your heart. And when it does, then everything will change. It will. And that's when revival comes. After Jesus says that to Peter, by the way, just quickly, is love, is love an act of the will or is it emotion? Is it an act of the will or is it an emotion? And I think you err when you say it's one or the other because it's both. There's got to be an emotion, an emotional experience that you have toward Jesus. And, you know, I'll have some of these, you know, my golf buddies or basketball buddies in the past, when I start talking down this road, they'll say, you know, we're men. We don't love things like that. We're not emotional like that. And I said, how'd you get married? You didn't fall in love with your wife emotionally? You didn't want to be around her all the time? You didn't want to talk to her all the time? And they said, no. I said, well, that's why you're not married anymore. (laughs) I've seen men at ball games. Don't tell me you can't get emotional. You can get emotional. It's emotional, but do you remember when Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments? You, you know what he meant? You know, he doesn't mean, hey, if you break into my commandments, that proves you don't love me. No, he's saying, if you love me, the bent of your heart is to obey me. You see? It, that, hey, I love Jesus. I'm going to obey his commandments. I may fail, but that's the intent of my heart. If you don't have that in your heart, if if you just love to talk about how you're saved by grace through faith and it requires no effort, there's something wrong because the heart and the will should be bent. If you've fallen in love with Jesus and the Spirit of God and you're born again, then you've got this heart that is bent toward doing what God wants you to do so that when you come to a fork in the road and you've got to choose between good and evil, there's a real tension. There's a real struggle and you're trying your best to do the right thing. And if that's not there something wrong. And you need to pray that God open your eyes to the power, the truth, and the love of the gospel so that things can change. You've got to fall in love, and I can't make you do that. Only the Spirit of God can open your eyes to the depth and truth of the gospel to make you fall in love. I, I've used this numerous times, and every time, I, every time I talk about this, I look out at you, and it appears that you're not getting it. And it usually means that I'm not describing it well. I'm going to take one more shot at it. When things changed for me was in theology class when I was 31 years old, the doctrine of grace, and the professor put a photo on the big screen, and the photo, I looked for it everywhere, couldn't find it, so I'm going to have to describe it, was an overweight ballerina in a ballet class, desperately at the command of the instructor, trying to touch her toes, and she could not but her effort was intense, trying so desperately. And then my uh, theological professor looked at us and said, now here's what that caption should read. When it comes to our life in Christ with God, the caption would read, that's okay, I'll take the will for the deed. I'll take the will for the deed. That means that you are gonna fall sometimes. What God is interested in is the will. 
Is the will right? Does it want to do the good? Does it strive to do the good? And here's the thing. It will not until it's in love with Jesus. Until it's in love. Some of you don't need to pray to be better people. You need to pray that the Holy Spirit open your eyes to the love God has for you so that your heart is melted and that you fall in love with him. Some of you have been religious for so long. Come on, on all of our camps. You've been religious for so long. You've been going through these motions, going through this game. Come on, be honest with yourself. Church means very, or it means something to you because you're here. But an on-fire personal relationship that is felt where Jesus is walking with you day after day, where you seek him, where you, where you love him, where you pursue him, that's, that's why Jesus asked Peter the question because whatever it is that you love most is what you're gonna chase after the most, Right? Once you love him, you're going to pursue him. Once you pursue him, he's going to reveal himself. Once he reveals himself, man, everything changes. Now, I want to tell you something scary. Well, first of all, the good news, God is very gracious and kind to us and patient. No doubt about that. But I really, I was, I was so steep in legalistic, a legalistic church that I, think, I don't think I fell in love with Jesus until my mid-30s. And by that time, I've been preaching 10 years. The eyes are opened. And then Jesus looks to Peter, verse 18. He says, good, basically. I'm glad you love me. And he says to Peter, every morning you get up, I'm gonna paraphrase, every morning you get up and you put your coat, cloak on and you gird yourself. You take your belt, you tie it around and you go wherever you wanna go. And then Jesus says, right after he's asked Peter, do you love me? Right after that, he says, now I want to tell you something. The time is coming when somebody else is gonna dress you Somebody else is going to put a belt around you, and they're going to lead you where you don't want to go. And then John adds this little comment. He says, Jesus said this to show him or to signify the type of death Peter would die that would glorify Jesus. So Jesus says, I'm glad you love me because here's, here's the deal. Peter, are you willing to sacrifice everything for me, even your life? See, this is how you know revival has come into your life. Whatever he asks you to give up, you do. Even your life. Now, can we be honest here? Most of us in the room will never be asked that. But we're asked to give up a lot of other things. No amount of preaching will do it. It's only when you fall in love with Jesus that you'll willingly give up whatever he asks you to give up, including your money. No preacher's ever gonna guilt you into that. Now, some will try to promise you this treasure chest, but the only real motivation for great generosity, for service, for love, for kindness, for all of those things is when you fall in love with Jesus. Nero, in AD 64, blamed the fires of Rome on the Christians because he hated them. He hated them because the Christians were, gave their allegiance not to Rome, but to God. So he blamed the fires of Rome. He arrested Peter, crucified Peter. And oral tradition tells us that when Peter was crucified, that he asked that he be crucified upside down because he was not worthy to be killed or crucified in the same manner as his Lord. Now, Peter's come a long way from... From what? Denying even knew Jesus to saying, yeah, I know him. And when you kill me, when you crucify me, crucify me upside down. What in your life 
Has the Spirit of God asked you time and time again to give up that you will not give up? Here's what I need to tell you. You're stuck. You can't graduate. You can't go on. You can't climb the spiritual growth ladder. You can't be used to any greater degree than you're used now. You're stuck. Until you do that, you can't move ahead. You can't go forward. He loves you, but you can't go forward. Remember the story I told you about the historian uh, Lecky who writes about the fourth century Asiatic monk, Telemachus, and Telemachus is up in the hills and the gardens where he likes his peaceful life, and one day he hears the voice of God, and God tells him to go down into the city. He goes, I'm telling the short version, he goes down into the city. As he's going down into the city, there's a crowd that he's never seen. He's lived up in the mountains for so long, it's kind of intimidating. They push him into the, uh, the arena, and as he's in the arena, he witnesses for the first time the gladiators you know, where they would come out to, to we who are about to die, we salute you, and all the crowd, they're just bloodthirsty. Telemachus sees this, and because he's been in touch and community with God, it offends him, and he yells in the stadium, hey, in the name of Jesus Christ, stop this thing, stop this. And people just ignore him, you know, like they would at any other sporting event. He runs down the first level, and he says, in the name of Jesus Christ, forbear, stop this thing. And the crowd hushes. They're paying attention to him now. Somehow he leapt the wall, got down into the arena, and he shouts in front of everybody, in the name of Jesus Christ, stop this thing, stop this. And suddenly everybody in the audience says, run him through with the sword. And the guard comes over, run him through, run him through. And he says one more time, in the name of Jesus Christ, stop this thing. And the soldier takes the spear and runs Telemachus through. And as he's got the sword dying, bleeding out. He kneels down under the dust and he says one last time, in the name of Jesus Christ, stop this thing. And the historian Lecky says that many other things were brought to bear, but never again was there a fight in the gladiatorial arena. People sometimes say, well, Jesus would never ask me to give up anything that's good. Was Telemachus' life good? And God required it. This is something we don't talk about because it could be offensive. It could, it could cost us too much. Do you, have you ever read Matthew 11, 12? 11, 12. The kingdom of God suffers violence and violent men and women take it by force. The kingdom of God suffers violence and violent men take it by force. You know what the passage is about? Jesus speaks it and he's saying this. Living in the kingdom of God is a daily fight. It is a battle between the spirit and your flesh. It is a battle between you doing what Christ wants you to do and living a theocentric life or an egocentric life where life is all about you. And can I tell you one more time, until you fall in love with Jesus, there's no way you're gonna sacrifice anything for him. So when he asks you, don't do that, you'll find a way to do it. When he asks you to give up your money, your time, your resources, and that's the beautiful thing about Christ. He says, look, I've given you all these things for your enjoyment. You've got so much, but there's a part of you I require, and you're not gonna sacrifice. There's no way you're gonna give that up until you fall in love. And then in the text, 
Here's what happens. You don't see it in your text, but in the, in the way, again, we could talk about participles. We could talk about past tense present. We could talk about all kinds of things, but let's just say this. In verse 19, I believe, 19, 20, 21, John, who's writing the text, says that Jesus evidently began walking. He doesn't say he began walking. Again, it's, it's the way the text is written. He, he, obviously, he turns and walks, and he says to Peter, follow me. You see that in the text? He says to Peter, so he said, it, here's what I want, Peter. Love me more than anything else. Be willing to sacrifice anything I ask you to give up for me. And then he third, he says, he turns and he says, follow me. And then remember what uh, Peter does? He looks back at John, who's writing this story, and he says, he says well, what, well, what about John? What Peter's doing is saying, hey, if I gotta die, what about this guy? And it's beautifully written in the original language. It's Jesus and sarcasm. Basically, he says, that's none of your business. What's that to you? What is that to you is the actual wording. It's none of your business. I'll deal with John, you deal with you. The truth is, you never know how God's gonna use one person over another person. It's none of your business. You follow Jesus. He may ask you to give up something. He may not ask anybody else to give up, but you follow Jesus. And he may lead you into difficult roads. Follow Jesus. But can I tell you something? You won't do it if you're not in love with him. You won't do it. You see how everything hinges on the first part of the passage? Until you understand what God has done for you, until you understand the treasure he has given up for you and his own son, you're never gonna treasure him. Pastor Jeff, I really want to, but I just don't feel it. Okay, get down on your knees and pray that the God of heaven open your eyes to the truth of the gospel so that your heart will be melted and you'll fall in love. You can do that, you know. Pray that your heart will be melted. And say to him, I don't love you more than anything else, but I want to. I won't sacrifice everything for you, but I want to. And I'm not sure I want to follow where you lead. Do you remember the story in the Old Testament? This is the end. This, do you remember the story in the Old Testament where David, he's lost his armies, he's lost the battle, he's leaving Jerusalem, and his kingdom has come to disarray most probably uh, because of his own mistakes or his own failures or his own sins. And as he's leaving Jerusalem, he, he gets his, some of his men who are left with him to take the Ark of the Covenant because you want that Ark. Because you remember what happened when the ark got in somebody's backyard? The corn grew so high. <laughs> Another guy got the ark and everybody started getting healed. So David says, you know what? We may leave the women and children, but we're taking that ark. We're taking the ark. And then he gets outside the city. And after all this work and effort, he looks to his guys and he says, guys, take the ark back into Jerusalem. and Leave it there. In that one moment right there, David finally stopped manipulating God. And he says in that passage, he says, do to me as it seems good to you, God. You know you've fallen in love with Jesus when you say, no matter what you face in every new day, no matter what obstacles in your life, because there's a lot of people in here hurting right now. I promise you there's a lot of people in this room listening to my voice that are hurting right now, that are worried that are depressed, that are anxious, that don't know how they're going to face tomorrow. Those things are real. And your only hope, your only hope is Jesus. And to put yourself in his hands and say, 
I don't like this right now, but do to me as it seems good to you. And wherever you lead my life, I'll follow. Let me tell you something. I can't promise you that everything will get better tomorrow, but I can promise you this. Your countenance will be lifted because you know he's got the whole world in his hands. This is the revival that I want for us that we fall in love with him and that we say to him, we'll sacrifice everything for you if you require it of us. We'll follow you wherever you lead because now let me finish by telling you where he's leading us. And I said a few weeks ago, some of you won't come with us and I know that. I also know that when you start praying for revival, physical illness sometimes comes to your leaders. Shocker. Sometimes God wants to know how badly do you really want revival because if you get revival, there's another dude on the other side that's gonna come after you. I had to really make my peace with that. It's a lot safer just to say, no, I'm quite happy to go to church and sing the songs and you know, I'm, I'm okay. I'll just play it safe, I'll get to heaven. I'm not, no, no. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world and anything that you and I face, he gives us that prevailing presence that will sustain us because there's nothing I want more. And I hope there's nothing that you want more than to see Jesus in a way that you've never seen him in a long time. And in a way that perhaps in little San Dimas and little Rancho and Westco and Upland, in this little part of the, the entire world, maybe, just maybe, even though we know we can't work it up, it must be prayed down. Maybe God in his sovereign wisdom and love and mercy as we cry out all the time to send revival will hear our prayer. And in this tiny place, in the small place in the world, it will start. It will begin. But not until you fall in love with Jesus. Father, I pray for our church. I am so thankful that even though when we face trials, you walk with us through everything and give us the power to endure. I thank you for those who've prayed for my surgery. I'm thankful for the healing, but Father, I know there are people who have a lot more issues in their life than a, a problem with their nasal cavity. I know there are people here who are suffering greatly over the loss of someone they love, who don't know how they're gonna to face tomorrow with even their finances or their health. But Father, we also know this is life. The dichotomy of beauty and chaos. And the only hope we have is in you. And when we fall in love with you, our eyes are open to your kingdom and things change. We come with thanksgiving into the house of the Lord. We come with expectation that you will do mighty and wonderful things. And we come willing to give you it all, to give everything of ourselves in hopes of what will one day come with absolute certainty 
that we will never give up anything that will not be replaced to an infinitely greater degree. That no eye has seen nor ear has heard what you have in store for those who love you. Bring revival. Help us return to our first love in Christ's name. You've been listening to Today with Jeff Vines. Next time, we'll bring you a new message from Pastor Jeff. You can listen to more messages like this. Just search for Today with Jeff Vines wherever you listen to podcasts. Today. 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 Today with Jeff Fines. This is a production by One and All Media. For more, head to oneandall.media.